Welcome in to the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Borgannoni, as always, with Matthew Betts. And week 10, we're not messing around this week, are we? No, it is time to get down to business. Yes, it is week 10, officially on the back nine of the NFL season, which is kind of crazy to say as far as the regular season. But not for us. We're just getting warmed up, dude. We're going through the Super Bowl. And I think on Tuesday, I think one of us said the words, we're going to the Super Bowl, which I don't think is accurate. <laughs> but we will be here through January. So yes, man, it is a, it's a good week. I'm excited for week 10. How about you? I'm feeling pretty, pretty amped, if I'm not mistaken. And I'm amped because we've had listeners that listen to our show, that subscribe to the DFS Pass, and they interact, you know, on social media, on our Discord channel, and they're winning money. They're actually finding out what it means to be profitable. So in our mailbag section, we have a couple of different listeners that said, hey, now that I've built up my bankroll, where do I go from here? So if you're still with us, it is week 10. And like Beth said, it's a halfway point where you can either say, ah, oh, you know, I, I've lost it, or I haven't been cashing as much. Guys, I've been kind of staying afloat. That's been my metaphor. And Part of that is to continuing to have head-to-heads where I win and then actually get a GPP where I do really well. So early in the season, I was lucky enough to do well in some GPPs that's helped me stay afloat, and you guys can do the same. So stay with us, be a part of our DFS pass. And speaking of that, I want to ask you this question. It's kind of a forward-thinking question, and then you, the listener, I'm going to give you a chance to jump in on this one too, and you can respond in a second. What have you, bets already been thinking about for the DFS pass for the playoffs, but then even more importantly, for 2022, because you and I are going to keep this thing going. We have some fun things on the horizon, so I thought we'd maybe tease a little bit, but also we're open to suggestions. Like, this is an open book to say, what can we do that's even better? So why don't you quickly, you know, share some things that we kind of have in the works and that you're kind of pumped about? Yeah, definitely. I think one thing that we've been playing around with a little bit behind the scenes over the last year or so, and really more this year, I would say, with sports betting being legalized in Arizona, which is where obviously all the guys are located as far as the main headquarters for the ballers, um, you know, player props are something that I love and that tie directly into the concept of fantasy football and DFS specifically. You know, tying the two together, I think, can work really well because when you're looking at player prop betting, it can be a little intimidating when you hear the word betting. Like, you may not have a lot of experience, you may not know what you're doing. But when you think about fantasy football, I mean, if you're listening to the show, you know what you're doing. And that's basically what player prop betting is. You kind of identify lines that are inefficient, players that you like that week, players that maybe you don't like that week, and trying to tease it out from there. So, I would love to have some of that content in the DFS pass if folks are interested in that and obviously if you are be sure to let us know and and tag us on social media yeah and part of that just goes into what we already do each week which is in regular fantasy football you look at medium projections and you say to yourself do i think this player can hit you know 50 yards do i think that this offense can you know succeed and if they do you know does that mean that their wide receiver three can hit over 23 yards you know uh, players like Quez Watkins that you normally never care about, but his lines are super important. They're actually pretty low sometimes. So uh, it's fun to have that be a part of the process. Underdog is where I currently play, um, where you and I do a lot of like over and unders and you can do pickums there. And then the DraftKings Sportsbook lines obviously is a big part of what we do in the off season. So I think that's a big, big thing for us to kind of discuss and, think what does that look like last year we did a lot with the nfl draft and kind of preseason outlook so if you want more of that content please let us know i also am excited because there's some enhanced tools we're going to bring next year that have been in the works for the dfs pass and one of those is a lot of you guys have asked like hey you guys are spreadsheet bros or at least i know you are kyle can i have access to some of those spreadsheets you guys use and so i i've definitely thought like hey 
I'm not gonna do all the work for you, but I will put in the formulas and at least set it up so that each week you can get out your spreadsheet and compare your cash lineup. Or to look at the slate and ask yourself, if I played Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, do they have a ceiling outcome in theirs? Because this year, those two actually haven't hit 60 combined points in any games. So stacking them sounds great, but they actually haven't hit their optimal ceiling just yet. So those are the kind of things that I would love to bring to the DFS pass. If you guys like a good spreadsheet, I can do that. But there's definitely more in store. And so here's what I want to give you permission to do. You can tag us on Twitter. I'm at Kyle underscore Borg. Betts is at the Fantasy PT. And then also tag uh, the FF Ballers, our, our Fantasy Footballers account. Share what you've liked this year in the DFS pass or in the podcast. And then give us a suggestion. Maybe say, hey, I would love to be this part of this. Our favorite suggestion, you and I will set up a three-man tournament in the next week or so that you get to play with us. And that's super fun. We've got to do that with a couple of listeners in the past. And uh, I love doing that. So any last thoughts on just the listeners and just empowering them to say, hey, this is your DFS pass. I mean, this is DFS for the rest of us. It's in it's in the name. So we want to enjoy you know this experience, this content with you guys, obviously without our listeners and those that are supporting us at the DFS pass, like this wouldn't be possible. So we want it to be what you want. So let us know, tag us on Twitter and, uh, and we'll get that all set up for you guys heading into 2022. But man, I feel like we're wrapping up. Like we still have so much football left this year. <laughs> we're, not, we're not done with 2021. Yes. And if you're one of those people that say like, Hey, I haven't gotten the DFS pass. Just remember it is less than a cup of coffee per week, less than $2. If you use the promo code DFS pod, you can get a sweet discount. So Make sure you check that out at dfspass.com. But let's jump into our cash picks. Straight cash, homie. So for our cash picks each week, reminder, we're giving you kind of the lay of the land who we think are our top optimal plays, but you can't fit in all these players. I had a couple people last week say, hey, you guys were all about Lamar last week and you love Lamar and you had him in your lineups, but you guys didn't cash. Well, Lamar was uh, rostered by what, like over 50% of the people in, in cash? Yeah, something around that. Yeah, and and so it's not just saying who's a good play, but in the context of the slate, Lamar was our favorite play, but you needed to do so much more than just that. So just a reminder, these are our cash picks that are fully available in the DFS pass. And this is to get you started, to give you a pool of players and kind of mix and match because you can play Lamar like we said last week, but you could have also dropped down to some cheaper guys that could have afforded you something else. But let's talk about our quarterbacks this week. Who do you like? Yeah, let's start at the top of the player pool in pricing. I don't know what to say about last week. Josh Allen and the Bills falling on their face against Urban Meyer and the Jaguars. I don't think it was on anyone's bingo card for last week, but here we are. I think he is a a very solid spin-up option if you want to go there uh, in cash games. Obviously, Josh Allen, we know last week is not his normal. We know his normal is 20-plus DraftKings points most weeks. We know he can run the football. We know he's got great weapons. I think they're going to get Dawson Knox back in the lineup, which should further elevate Josh Allen. And obviously, the matchup with the Jets doesn't scare you whatsoever. They've got a huge implied team total. And so he's really interesting, of course, if you want to spit up for safety. I also would be really interested, and we'll we'll check on this in the DFS pass with roster percentage report. I don't know how the field is going to react to what they saw last week. And I just want to point out there, if he is going to become less popular this week because of a down week last week, I mean, certainly, I know we're talking cash picks, but in tournaments, fire up some Josh Allen double stacks. Yeah, I looked up this weird quirky stat with Josh Allen. He has started five games in his career against the Jets. He has three passing touchdowns in those five games combined. So throw that out. Just throw it out. It was more fun. The Jets are elite is what you're saying on defense. Dude, the Jets are weird. The Jets show up in games they're not supposed to show up in, right? Like they win. They won against the Titans, who are probably right now one of the best teams in the league. They beat the Bengals. Last year, they beat the Rams and they beat the Browns. They like they only beat playoff teams. So they might have a shot with your boy, Mike White. But other than that, uh, I would still play Josh Allen. Spinning up is a great option, especially with a dual threat ability. I like him also on FanDuel. Uh, I think Dak is probably my favorite play in terms of like points per dollar. 6.9K on DraftKings. I'm probably going to go there right now. And 
you could drop down even further and do Carson Wentz. That's kind of like that tier step. It's like Josh Allen at the top, Dak Prescott, and then even further down is Carson Wentz. Is that kind of your trio? Yep, definitely. And I think I share your thoughts as well. I obviously love Josh Allen. I also love Dak Prescott. And to me, it's just a matter of, do you need the savings or not? And obviously, if you don't, go spend up for Josh Allen. But if your roster construction is such that you want to spend up elsewhere and come down a little bit in salary, Dak Prescott is in an awesome spot here. I know last week was atrocious. No one saw it coming. We were all about Zeke. He fell on his face. I mean, the entire Dallas offense was awful. But you trust good offenses, and that's what Dallas is going up against your Falcons, Kyle. I think it might be a little bit of a different story this week for Dak. So I'm very interested at his price point. We'll profile that game in a second and kind of share my opinion of here's how the Falcons have kind of been hanging in there, but uh, it's still not still not great. I like Brady still, 7.6 on DraftKings, but with the news about Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown maybe not playing, like I can't say fully like he's a great cash game play. Like I have to play him at his price point. He's you know expensive, obviously doesn't run the ball. So Brady, I think, is fine in GPP. If you really wanted to play him, I can't argue against it. It's a great matchup. But those are our three quarterbacks. And then Justin Herbert on FanDuel is only 8K. Just solid, solid through and through uh, and against the Vikings. But at running back, we kind of have our first guy in a while where just the slate opens up. And so I want to first talk about Dernis Johnson of the Cleveland Browns, 4.7K. What's the update on that situation? Yeah, we are recording this a little earlier than usual uh, on Thursday. However, as of now, we don't have official news who's in or who's out for the Browns. So unfortunately, there's no updates compared to our Tuesday show in which we found out that all of the running backs, not named Dearness Johnson, are possibly out for this one. Of course, Cream Hunt, we know he's not going to be back this week dealing with the calf issue. Nick Chubb, John Kelly, and then as well, Demetric Felton are all still on the COVID list as of this recording. So Clearly, this is the most important piece of news, I think, to monitor from Friday through Sunday. If Nick Chubb is out, Dearness Johnson at 4.7K, I would almost say is a must play based off of how good he looked when he got the opportunities and saw 24 opportunities on that Thursday night football game when he was the lead back. So if there's no Nick Chubb, I'm firing up Dearness Johnson for sure. Yeah, there's it's because we've seen him do it, right? Like we saw him in that game against the Broncos go for 142 and a touchdown and he was the dude. I think he had 22 carries in that game. So I love Ernest Johnson at 4.7. Opens up a lot. Yeah, he's going to be the one that everyone's talking about. And we're saying right now, as of this news, it's good chalk. We're willing to eat in cash. And then I'll probably fade in GPP. I mean, mix him in, but probably underweight compared to the field in would GPPs. You, but Yeah, would you um, prefer... And we don't know the news yet on Zach Moss either, if he's going to play or not. He's in concussion protocol as of now. If he's out... Devin Singletary is the exact same price. If you had to pick one of those two, which one would you pick? Uh, single carry? Really? <laughs> I'm just putting it out there for the people. <laughs> I would play... I would. I like Singletary if you're going to do it in a tournament because then you're saying he vultures the touchdowns and the stacks don't get there. Or you could play him in a stack, but it's just so hard because his goal line work is just not what you want. It's not, it's yep, not fully what you I want. Agree. The matchup's fine. Yeah, so. I think he's I think he's fine, but I think we both agree at the same exact price. Give me Dearness Johnson 10 out of 10 times. So you're putting your name on him is what you're saying. Of course. I tried, what was that, last week where I said, hey, what about Zach Moss? I didn't play him. Of course I didn't, and he got knocked out, but you're putting your name on Devin Singletary. No, that is not what's happening. <laughs> However, okay. he is in the checking. DFS pass, so here we are. <laughs> let's talk about the studs because I feel like this week we have a bevy of different options at the top where I don't think you can really go wrong in the studs, but there's guys that are just a little bit better. So Jonathan Taylor is a smash play against Jacksonville 8.1. He has a league leading 18 carries inside the five already last year, just for context last year, he had 16 for the whole season. So elite usage, his touchdown expectation is through the roof. So I think he's a more than fair bet to get at least one touchdown. I put it at 60, 65% to get a touchdown this week. So that kind of touchdown equity is awesome on both sites. So Jonathan Taylor is probably 
The top one, I wish he got a little bit more passing work, and I would call him like the elite play. Yeah, I mean, I, I still think he has enough passing volume that it's not, he's not like the Derrick Henry of 2020 that you were always a little worried about. Like, he's still running enough routes, and his snap counts, his routes run, all those things are all trending upwards. So he's been the running back one for the last five, six weeks of the season, yet he's priced at running back three on DraftKings. So I think he's still too cheap. I love him this week against Jacksonville. And then also throughout, just below him in pricing, how can you go wrong with Najee Harris? I mean, he's just getting so much volume. And I kind of feel like a broken record just coming on the show and saying, hey, play this running back against Lions. But here we are, play Najee Harris against the Lions at 7.9K, playing at home. And we know historically as well, Big Ben and the Steelers offense in general plays plays well at home. They're eight-point favorites. So you're going to see Najee in a positive game script. So love him at his price point. Yeah, Najee on DraftKings is an elite play. On FanDuel, he's the RB1. He's super expensive at 9400 So I'd rather play him in tournaments on that site. But did you know that since week two, there are only two running backs that have been in the top 24 of fantasy every single week since week two? It's Najee Harris and our boy Cordero Patterson, who I actually think is a pretty good play as well at 6.6. So those are kind of our core of running backs. Uh, I think Cordero is kind of that next tier down in terms of the 6K range, who we like. And yeah, I think I think those are the main dudes. Dalvin obviously is a great play. I like him better on FanDuel at 8.6 against the Chargers and their run funnel. We'll preview that game in a little bit, but Dalvin's a great play. Any other names you want to mention real quick? Uh, I think those are pretty much it. I mean, there's a lot of running back this week is really interesting. I think it's a great place to differentiate in tournaments because there's so many great plays. I mean, you got Christian McCaffrey, who <laughs> the Panthers last week, so they're going to ease him in. He played 49% of the snaps. So you say, okay, maybe that's the case. You got 19 opportunities in 49% of the snap. So it's like literally when he's on the field, he's getting the football. So he's in play. Dalvin's in play. Austin Eckler's in a great spot. Like there's just so many ways that you can differentiate here. But I think that core that we just mentioned with those backs is where I would go. And then of course, look to get different elsewhere and pick your game environment that you like for tournaments. It's well said at wide receiver. Devonte Adams is the top price wide receiver. We mentioned on Tuesday on DraftKings, there's no wide receiver that's above eight K. So when I look at my lineup construction for cash, I'm probably paying up for at least one of those stud running backs. You mentioned Jonathan Taylor, Najee Harris, and then I think it's actually easier to say if I want Devontae Adams, I can find some value elsewhere, especially with Dernis Johnson if you're playing him in cash. So there are some wide receivers we really like, and the Tampa Bay wide receivers stand out because of the situation. So where are we at with Chris Godwin right now? Yeah, as of recording, uh, we don't know for sure if he's going to be in or out. So again, monitor this news, but he is dealing with a foot injury, didn't practice on Wednesday, and Bruce Arians called him um, iffy to suit up here in week 10. Gronk is the same story. So we're looking like Gronk might not be back and ready to go yet, which I'm kind of surprised about coming out of the bye, but he's a name to monitor. And then we still have no Antonio Brown. Scotty Miller is on injured reserve. Like who is catching the football for Tom Brady? It's Mike Evans. Yeah, Mike Evans is an elite play. Like on FanDuel, I, I love him. I wrote him up. He's my cover boy for the cash picks. And then... Can we talk about Tyler Johnson? I know that he's way down there at 3.3 if you wanted to punt. But before the bye, when Antonio Brown was out, he went 5 for 65, saw six targets. If you knew that Godwin was out, how do you feel about Tyler Johnson at 3.3 on DraftKings? Yeah, I think he's a solid punt option. I think that he's probably a guy that if he was going to draw a lot of popularity, especially in tournaments, I'd be more looking to fade because anytime you have those, you know, cheap below 4,000 wide receivers. There's a lot of volatility to those guys. And I think the field assumes like, okay, this is a great play. These cheap, I can just jam them in my lineups. And so you see the roster percentage get elevated. So I'll probably be underweight if that's the case in tournaments, but in cash, I mean, if you need to save salary, a player that's going to play, what would you say? 75 plus percent of the snaps run a ton of routes, catching passes from Tom Brady against the football team secondary. Yeah. Sign me up in cash for sure. But would you play both Tampa Bay wide receivers if that was the case? I think you could. My initial take is that because Tom Brady throws so much and because the Bucs are such a pass-heavy offense, even when they're getting close and even when they're winning, 
they're not taking their foot off the gas to, to run the football with Len. So I think he probably could. And the reason is that, you know, Mike Evans with this information that we have is underpriced. And when you talk about guys that can reach an outcome that you're looking for in DFS, if this was two guys that were both like 6,000 or something, I'd say, yeah, probably not. Cause you're, you're asking a lot at that price point, but Tyler Johnson can go out and get you nine points and you're fine. And you know, Mike Evans can do his thing. So I think they're fine together in cash. Yeah. I like both of them. And I've looked at my cash lineup already and say like, I know I'm playing one of them and I've stared at the fact of if I'm going to play two right in that same price range of Mike Evans, Deontay Johnson is only 6.8 against the lions. We like the Steelers this week. Obviously they're playing the lions and he's averaging 20 or 20. <laughs> that would be insane, but I actually could see him do it 10 targets a game. And just feels so safe. If Claypool is out, I know he avoided like a serious like issue with his toe, but Deontay just feels super safe at that price point. You know what you're going to get from him and you can kind of lock it in your lineup. So I like Deontay Johnson a lot. I need to mention this guy. I know this probably sounds a little wild for cash, but Julio Jones is only 5.4 K this week. He's torched the saints in his career. And last week he actually was on the field and stayed on the field, which is great. What we want to see, but Julio Jones, probably a better tournament play, but that is so cheap when I saw his name at 5.4. Yeah. And not on the injury report for the first time in two years or something like that. And knock on wood, I'm probably going to jinx us now. We'll probably get the Friday report and he's probably going to be on it. But as of Thursday, he is not on the report. Yeah. It just, it provides your cash lineup with some boom. And I, I just love the matchup against the Saints. Lattimore's probably going to be on AJ Brown. So I, I like that matchup a lot. Uh, hint, hint. He's a start of the week on fantasy footballers. Ooh. Uh, yeah. I need to mention on FanDuel, Terry McLaurin is only 7.1. And if you wanted to play Terry McLaurin, even with Taylor Heineke, I get it. We'll preview that game. But if in cash, you want to play one of Tampa Bay wide receivers and correlate that with, with Terry McLaurin on FanDuel, I think you're actually saving a lot of money and you know that he's going to get peppered with targets. So I think he's great. And the only other receivers I need to mention are the Seattle guys because Lockett and Metcalf are underpriced. It seems like Russell Wilson is going to be able to play, but I mean, there's just so much about that game, Seattle and Green Bay, that's up in the air. So any any final thoughts on those guys? I mean, we're, we know we're going to get Russell Wilson back, which is clearly great for Lockett and Metcalf. Um, it really depends on, for me, I think, what happens with Aaron Rodgers because if it's Jordan Love they're not going to be able to push the Seahawks to do what we want them to do in the passing game. And you know, Pete Carroll is perfectly content to hand the ball off on first down and second down and make Russ Wilson figure it out on third and eight. That's what he does. But if Rodgers is there, I think we could see him push the passing attack for Seattle. So for me in cash, as of the information we have now, probably not that said, we'll talk about that game in, in a minute. I love him in tournaments. If you're going to get Aaron Rodgers back, I really want to mention Stefan Diggs. But if you go back and look at his game logs and just even what it was last week, like you're not getting boom games. Like you're actually barely getting games that are just like hit what his salary is. So I temper my expectations a little bit because he's still expensive compared to the field. Like you're not getting any discount because of the bills. Uh, but the matchup against the Jets is pretty great. And you could totally see him go off for 25 plus DraftKings points. So I mentioned his name because Devontae is our preferred play if Rogers is there, but I think Diggs is, is not that far behind. Let's go to tight end. And it is gross mentioned on Tuesday. There are so many guys that are off the slate this week. You know, there's no Kelsey, no Andrews, no Gesicki, no Waller, no Kittle. It's just bad. And I'm not paying up for Kyle Pitts. I don't really want to do that tight end one on both sides. So I'm looking to punt right now. Yeah, definitely. I put that in my cash article and just kind of said, like, usually I try to offer some different price ranges of here's where you can go. You can go down. You can go up if you want to in this price range. For me, it seems very obvious this week. There are a couple of punt options that I really like, and I think that's the move, especially try to trying to get up to all these great running back plays that we have and wide receivers. So if you're punting it off, you said there's no Waller. You said there's no Kelsey. There's no Gesicki. There is a postman on this slate. That is Dan Arnold, Urban Meyer's BFF. Since they traded for this guy, Dan Arnold is getting peppered with targets, 17 targets 
over the last two weeks. And if you're going to get that from a tight end at below 4,000 on DraftKings, he is 3.5K taking on the Colts. And their defense is sort of designed to take away deep shots and kind of give you those underneath routes. That's what he does. So on, on DraftKings full PPR, absolutely love him in cash. He's in there for me right now. Yeah, the Colts are allowing the fourth most fantasy points to tight ends. And look, check this out. The last two weeks, they played Tennessee, all right? Their tight end saw nine targets, and your boy Jeff Swaim caught a touchdown. And then last week against the Jets, their tight end saw 12 targets, and your boy Ryan Griffin caught a touchdown. So these are nobodies. At least Dan Arnold is, you know, getting a healthy target share. Since he's come to Jacksonville over the last four games, 55 receiving yards a game. Just had to throw that in there. I'm going to give you two more punts. And RSJ, Ricky Seals-Jones, we thought that maybe this would be the week that Logan Thomas would come back, but he said he felt a little sore, a little sore when he came back. It happens. We've all been there. I mean, when I when I, when I read that, I was like, dude, I get it. I totally get it. I felt sore <laughs> I almost, too. I almost didn't show up for the podcast today. I'm a little sore as well. Really? Yeah. Dude, my hammies, my glutes, worked out yesterday. Getting old is rough, man. Well, it's funny with like podcasting, most people think of it as like an elite, like athletic, like you have to be in tip top shape. Not everyone is. They're really not. And sitting deteriorates a lot of my athletic ability that I had in my 20s. It's gone (laughs) because of people like you listening to this podcast. All right. Logan Thomas aside, let's go with RSJ. Since he had the role, he's missed four snaps. That's it. Four total snaps. He's the dude. He's on the field. He's run the second most routes during that time among tight ends. So RSJ at 3.7. And then Jared Kuk at 3.2 is fine. He's fine down there. Last week, the other Chargers tight ends caught the touchdowns, Donald Parham and uh, Steven Anderson. So that's kind of annoying. But Jared Cook is running the routes you want. So those are the three dudes. I, I mean, you could go to Dalton Schultz. That's fine. But you're no, still no probably still paying up. No, no, dude. Uh, he, he's going to get hyped this week, and I think Eric Ebron's coming back. He is, but there's no Juju. There's no Chase Claypool. I mean, he could be loose, man. Dude, I'm playing Najee. I'm playing Deontay. <laughs> Everyone else can go after the Muth. I love the Muth. Don't get me wrong. He's loose. All right, uh, DST... There's really only a couple options below 3K this week on DraftKings. I'm not crazy about them, but uh, Carolina, if they're going to be facing Colt McCoy, I like them at 2.4. If you're kind of punting that off, they have a good pass rush. And then I think you have the better play on the dock. Yeah, I put down the Titans. They are 2.7K, and I don't really know what happened with Tennessee. Like for the first three weeks, they were a defense that were just we picked on them every week, and, and now they're playing awesome generating a ton of pressure they're taking on the saints it's a low total game and really the play here is okay if they're going to generate pressure and it's trevor simeon back there that's a spot to attack especially especially if alvin kamara is either limited or out i mean who is going to make plays for the saints if there's no alvin kamara who's on the injury report this week after getting banged up last week so monitor alvin kamara's status because outside of that it's your boy marquez calloway and deontay harris and no, thank you. So, yes, fire up the Titans, 2.7K. Troutman. Yeah, I think it's Troutman time. I, I almost want to say for our big dog team, that would be great. But at this point, I've, I've put it to bed. It's done. Yeah, especially with that Chase Edmonds injury, we're, we're definitely done. It was a good run. If we just should go back and listen to these shows when we were really hyped week one, week two, week three, week four, week five. We, guys, we were like in first place by a mile. We were destroying, but... I almost when the Yeti goes down. I almost, I almost had to tell Andy, Mike, and Jason I was quitting because I was like, "We're guaranteed to win the big talk. Like, I don't need this job anymore." Now, I did daydream a couple times, like just driving the car, like, "Man, two hundred fifty k, man, we are geniuses." All of our best ball shows, <laughs> it's just they're gonna talk about those. People are just gonna put those on repeat years from now when they heard our best ball content. Oh yeah. Oh well. All right, one more DST I'll give. It's the Chargers on FanDuel at three point three. They are way down there, and I think they can do fine. Another run funnel, but in terms of pass, they are second in pass DVOA. So go for the Chargers at home if you want to punt it off in FanDuel. But let's talk about the games we want to stack. 
Stack Attack. First game we're going to talk about is the playoff bound Atlanta Falcons at a robust four and four at the Dallas Cowboys, who are six and two. No big deal. The DraftKings Sportsbook line is the Cowboys minus eight, and the over under is 54 and a half. So this is the highest total on our main slate. Last week, Dallas fell flat, like completely flat. It was the first game they failed to cover the spread for the year. So in this game, we like Dallas in terms of a bounce back spot. The question is, Atlanta has been kind of fortunate. I hate using the word lucky, but like fortunate in playing a lot of close games. But even last week, like being able to come back, win against the Saints, Atlanta's offense, if you really just kind of diagram it, it's mostly short. It's Cordero Patterson all over the field. And every once in a while, they throw a deep shot to Kyle Pitts. They basically lived off of third downs. They've converted at the eighth highest rate. So that's kind of been their saving grace. But usually those things start to, I don't know, just go away after time where if you don't have elite players. So how do you like the setup in this game and how would you stack it? Yeah, I think, like you said, the Atlanta side of the ball seems pretty clear. I'm not touching Olamide Zacchaeus, Russell Gage, those dudes. No, thank you. It's Cordell Patterson and it's Kyle Pitts. So I think the conversation is how do you stack Dallas? And then those are the two obvious bringbacks. I'm not sure how you feel. I don't have a ton of interest in Matt Ryan this week. Like you said, some of those peripheral stats are bound to regress at some point on the road. Dallas defense has been solid this year. So it's tough to kind of see Matt Ryan having another ceiling performance with the playmakers he has. That said, I absolutely love Kyle Pitts in a GPP if you're stacking this game. 5,800 on DraftKings. Yes, he's the tight end one, but you could argue it's not expensive enough based off the peripheral usage that he's seeing, leading all tight ends in 10 plus yards down the field. He's got the third most air yards at the position, but he has just one touchdown one touchdown all year, despite those peripheral metrics. So no Calvin Ridley. Yes, sign me up for, for Kyle Pitts as a bring back in this game stack. So I love Kyle Pitts this week for sure. Uh, where would you go on Dallas's side of the ball? Because I think that's the real tricky part of this conversation. Yes, it's tough because Amari is still cheaper than CeeDee Lamb. So I think at first glance, you want to say, well, Amari is the value. I want to go there. He's going to be much higher in roster percentage, but the matchup against Falcons cornerback A.J. Terrell is not great at all. Like he leads the league in terms of lowest yards allowed to opposing wide receivers. So you think for me, up on Amari most of the game? Yeah, I think he does in terms of, and they'll mix it up in terms of who lines up in the slot. So to me, what I think my favorite way to do this is to go Dak and then double stack Dak with either Zeke and CD or uh, CD and Schultz or Amari and Schultz, just pick two guys and then bring it back on the other side with either Patterson or Pitts and just go there. But obviously you wouldn't want Pitts and Schultz in the same lineup. You just go different spot. But I think that this is a game worth getting three to four pieces in and it's affordable. Like you would think with the highest total that you'd have at least somebody way up there, but like the most expensive player on this is what Zeke and CD both at seven K and that's not expensive enough, but that's where I'm at, but Zeke, I think, is the one that kind of changes how we view this game. For sure. And I think, like, we talked about Dak as a cash game option, so certainly play some Dak stacks. I think it's going to work out really well. But this is this is the spot where if you're a tournament player, you look at this and you say, okay, Zeke Elliott, one of the most popular plays on the entire slate last week, same exact price, didn't change, got a little banged up, has a bruise in his knee, should be fine, but he, he failed last week. And now most people are going to be very excited to play Dak in the passing game. I think Ezekiel Elliott is a phenomenal GPP play this week. Another solid matchup. Same thing as last week. They're at home. Huge favorites. Positive game script incoming. I want to go back to Zeke for sure. And I think if you didn't want to play Dak this week and you wanted to go somewhere else, I think you could even do like a a Zeke Kyle Pitts like mini correlation type of thing. I'm interested in that. So I love Zeke this week. Just want to put that out there. I'm not playing him in cash, but I think in GPPs, he's really solid. And normally we follow the rule, don't play two running backs in the same game, but Patterson doesn't really fit that rule in terms of his usage. So yeah, if you want to go Zeke or Pitts or Zeke or Patterson and you want to get off some of those, you know, Dak stacks, I think that's totally fine. I'm not looking to go Matt Ryan this week. I don't think it's like a terrible play, but I'll probably just look elsewhere 
But uh, yeah, I, I think this game is just set up that somebody is going to go off. Like somebody, you you need a piece in this game. So it could be Amari, could be CD, could be Pitts, could be Patterson. Like I think those are all solid players. So I'm going to have exposure, even if I don't fully stack this game, I'm probably going to do some mini correlations. But give me your Vegas pick. This is tough. I feel like at eight points, the correct call because it's that key number is to go with the Falcons. But like you said, those peripheral stats scare me. So I'll lay it with Dallas. Give me Dallas minus eight. Dude, I'll take Dallas minus eight. I thought you were going to go with so, your team. <laughs> so, no, it was so easy for me to take Dallas the points. Like, they're at home. They're going to, yeah, they're going to smash. It's it's not going to be close. And if it is close and they do win the Falcons, then we're, we're happy about it. But this is how you settle things in your own heart that, uh, yeah, I want to be surprised, but I'm not surprised by us losing. All right. Next game is Minnesota Vikings at the Los Angeles Chargers, who you and I have talked about for almost six weeks straight in this segment. We can't stop. <laughs> Won't stop. They're our teams, man. Chargers are three-point home favorites. This total is now up to 53. I think it's climbed almost two points in the last day. Yep. yep. So we like these teams because, one, Justin Herbert and the Chargers pass at an elite rate, and they're a pace-up kind of team. And then you look at the Vikings, and there's a number of different players that could easily go off, Dalvin included, against this run funnel defense. So is there any, I mean, I know there's some big injuries on the defensive side. How's that kind of influencing the way you stack? Yeah, for both teams. Let's start on the Vikings side of the ball. This is the same story as last week. So they still have no Daniel Hunter, their best pass rusher. They're down Patrick Peterson, their top corner. So obviously that upgrades, you know, how Herbert will play and upgrades Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. And at the same time, last week, their starting safety, Harrison Smith, got put on the COVID list. He is going to be out for this game as well. So three starters on the defensive side of the ball that are key for the Vikings are out. And that certainly is an upgrade for the Chargers. Then you go on the Chargers side of the ball and you look at their cornerbacks. It is ugly, man. They last week had Michael Davis out. Asante Samuel was out. Their cornerback four, Ryan Smith is his name, tore his ACL. So we need to monitor what's happening with the Chargers secondary. And obviously, if they're out, huge, huge upgrade to names like Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson for sure. Yeah, because if you look at their metrics, I mentioned the Chargers earlier, like they've killed it in terms of pass in terms of pass rate, but this could be a different story this week. So Kirk Cousins, this would usually be a spot where we say, don't even worry about Cousins, just play Dalvin and stack it on the Chargers side. But if you wanted to get a little bit contrarian in tournaments, you could go Cousins pick one of those wide receivers and then bring it back with somebody else on the Chargers side. I think that will definitely carry less roster percentage because I mean, Eckler is a solid play every week. He let us down in terms of, man, he was set up for way more success, but Eckler is obviously a great pivot off of Dalvin with Dalvin. I mean, is this one of those games where he gets 25 plus points? It's really tough to poke any holes in the spot. Which, you know, they're the, I guess the only thing is really that they're underdogs based off the Vegas spread of being three point underdogs. But Dalvin is going to get the ball. 8K for Dalvin. Yes, please. On Fandle, even better price, 8.5K. I mean, 2018 and 31 opportunities over his last three weeks. That is awesome. The Chargers are a run funnel. Yeah, I, I think Dalvin's a standout play in this game for sure. On the Chargers side, we obviously always love Keenan Allen as a safe play, but I think you and I are both on board with Mike Willie this week. I think it's like the week for him to really go off, and the Vikings have allowed the third highest deep pass rate over expectation in the league. 14% of opponent targets are going that deep, so that's where he makes his hay. That's what we want to see, those big splash plays, especially as his salary keeps dropping, and I think people are kind of like, okay, He's regressing to the player he was before, kind of boom or bust. So in tournaments, I love Justin Herbert stacking him with Mike Williams. I also love Jared Cook, who I've mentioned before. So both of those guys, I actually prefer over Keenan and GPPs this week, but I think Keenan's a fine play. Uh, any takes on the Chargers side? I'm with you. I think Mike Williams is a standout GPP play. Like you said, I think people are kind of viewing him as like, oh yeah, I've seen this story before. I know how this plays out. Mike Williams comes in couple of good games and then he just disappears i don't think that's the case i think that little knee issue that he's been having over the last month of the season is real but i do think that each week that goes by it's going to be less and less of a concern we saw him get deep for a, a big play last week against the eagles 
And this Viking secondary, like you said, gives it up over the top. So give me big Mike Willie this week. I love him. I will definitely be overweight on Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen this week because you look at Thielen and you can go back through a roster percentage report, but each week, like he's ending up like at 5%, 6%, 3%. Like nobody's playing this guy. And we've seen weeks where he absolutely explodes and we know Justin Jefferson can do the same thing. So on FanDuel, I think they're both better plays. I'm stacking this game on FanDuel. I can just tell you right now because Mike Williams is too cheap on there at 6.9. Dalvin's too cheap as well. And so are the Minnesota uh, pass catchers. So I think this is a great game to go on FanDuel. You could do totally fine on DraftKings, but when I've analyzed this slate, this is the game that kind of stands out the most on that site. But give me your Vegas pick. This is tough. I think the right call is probably the Vikings, but I'm ready to get my heart broken again with the Chargers, minus three. There is a... We need to also mention, monitor some COVID situations going on with with the Vikings. We don't know who's involved, but they've apparently had a bit of a breakout um in terms of their their locker room and situation so monitor that because of all that turmoil give me the chargers all right if if nothing changes related to who's available and which players i will be taking the vikings plus the points mostly because of bad luck and the injuries in the chargers secondary i think they can take advantage but it's a close game i obviously want the chargers to win but i think the vikings can definitely win this one when I was looking at this game, I like had to rack my brain like, have these two teams played this year? Because it feels like we always talk about them every single week, like Vikings and Chargers and their games are usually around that 50 point mark, but I wasn't crazy. They haven't played yet. All right. Next game, Seattle Seahawks at the Green Bay Packers. Packers are three and a half point home favorites. This game is a 49 total and that line could change. Like that line could easily change over the weekend. So please monitor this game. It could be one that we're talking about stacking definitely with Aaron Rodgers to, all right, stay away from. So I I don't know if we're going to go super in depth in terms of like every single play here, but what is your overall feel for how you would stack this game if Rodgers is in? Yeah, let's just assume he's in because if he's out, don't play this game. I mean, we know that the correlation between offenses is extremely important for NFL DFS success in tournaments. So if there's no Aaron Rodgers, I'm not interested in Russ. I'm not interested in the, the pass catchers that he has. If he is in there, we already talked about, you know, uh, Devontae Adams being an awesome play. I think Aaron Rodgers stacking with him. I know you said at the top of the show, they haven't combined for 60 points yet this year. Aaron Rodgers, let's be honest, he's kind of that type of personality that he's always out to prove stuff to people. And with this whole week he's had with the COVID situation and the McAfee show and all those things, Are you telling me he's not going to get activated on Saturday, come back into the lineup, and just try to torch Seattle at home? He's definitely going to try to do that. So I love Aaron Rodgers in tournaments, stack with Devontae Adams this week. You look at who the Seahawks have played over the last month of the season or so. Their their quarterbacks they faced, Trevor Lawrence, Jameis Winston, Ben Roethlisberger, Jimmy G. That is the four names over the last five games. And they're still bottom five in passing success rate allowed. 30th in sack rate, 24th in DVOA. So yeah, Aaron Rodgers, if active, he's going to light him up. I think he's a great uh, tournament play at quarterback this week. With the Seahawks, we have to throw out their statistics because they've missed Russell Wilson, what, for the last five weeks. And since week six, they've sported the third lowest pass rate below expectation because they're just saying, let's win with our defense and low scoring games. They're not going to be able to do this as much this week. We don't know the status of Chris Carson right now. But I probably won't be going there anyways. I feel like, if anything, he's going to get some limited reps, mix in some Alex Collins. So I don't really want to go there. My favorite play in this game is probably Aaron Jones because he's below 7K. And I think most people are scared of A.J. Dillon. But you know this guy can erupt. And if he's that cheap, I think it's totally something worth looking at. So for me, I think if Rodgers is in, you can definitely stack Rodgers with Adams, bring it back with one of those two Seattle wide receivers. I also don't mind just saying... I don't know if the stack will get there in a GPP. Instead, I'm going to play Aaron Jones and on the other side, play Russ with Metcalf or Lockett or just play Aaron Jones and Metcalf or Lockett and just kind of correlate that way. But that's kind of my preferred look. There's a lot of dudes in this game that just don't matter. Like, I don't know who it is for Green Bay. Maybe it's Randall Cobb. Maybe it's Alan Lazard. Maybe it's OBJ. Uh, Their tight ends, no idea who it's going to be this week. So a lot of, lot of jabronis we don't want to talk about. 
Jabronis. What a what a great name. I don't know who ever made that up, but I love that word. Um, yes, there are Jabronis on the Packers. Dude, I what, quick point up? about Jabronis. Me oh, and my brother. Yes. That is the name of our dynasty team, the Borgononis Jabronis. And in in a footballers dynasty league, we're the first time ever champs, and then we were runner ups last year. So the Jabronis are kind of a big deal. You just celebrated a second place finish on a podcast. Um, <laughs> back to the Jabronis for the Packers. I I'm with you. I'm not sure who it's going to be, and I actually think that Aaron Jones can be stacked with both Devonta Adams and Aaron Rodgers. I think this is an onslaught spot that I really am intrigued by. You look at the Seahawks, and I know you just said you love Aaron, Aaron Jones. They have been getting torched to running backs that can catch the football, and that's what Aaron Jones can do. You remember that game two weeks ago where Alvin Kamara just went off on Monday Night Football against the Seahawks? Aaron Jones is an efficient back when he catches the football. They're among top five in success rate allowed to opposing pass-catching backs. So I just want to point that out. Aaron, Aaron Jones is in a great spot here. Absolutely love him. And then to go over to the Seattle side, I think this is a, a great spot to look at Tyler Lockett as a bring back. I know Metcalf is awesome. His price is great. But typically when they're that close together, the field plays Metcalf way more often than Tyler Lockett. But his connection with Russ, we know, is unmatched. So I like Tyler Lockett as a GPP player this week. The line is really hard to give because so much could change over the next couple of days. But right now it's minus three and a half. And if Rodgers plays, I will take the Packers at home, minus three and a half. Me too. All right, let's go to one more game. Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Washington football team. Buccaneers are nine and a half point road favorites. The over-under is 51 and a half. And if these two teams are familiar to, it's because last year in the NFC wildcard game, Tampa Bay won 31 to 23. But that was the game where Taylor Heineke kind of like showed up out of nowhere off the street threw for 306 passing yards, ran for 46. He had two touchdowns and made it an actual close game where everyone's like, who's this dude? Like he, he's actual good NFL quarterback. Now this year, there's been some moments for fantasy where he's been fine because he does run the ball, but these two teams are pretty similar, right? They have pretty good pass rushes. They're tough against the run and their secondaries are not good. So knowing that and with the Godwin news kind of up in the air, is this a game where you want to fully game stack and it's like McLaurin's the only one on the on the Washington side? I think so. I, we just haven't really seen enough from their wide receiver room. I mean, I know you love Adam Humphreys and, and he's your boy, but outside of Terry McLaurin, like there's just there's no one that really gets you excited, I think is the way to put it. I think RSJ is fine, but I do think he's gonna be somewhat popular with Logan Thomas likely out. And so that might be a fade in tournaments. I think on FanDuel, Terry McLaurin is going to be very popular. I think on DraftKings, no one is going to play Terry McLaurin because he's too expensive. He's priced up at like, what, 7.6K just behind Devontae Adams and um, AJ Brown. So I think he's a great like spend out to be contrarian game stacking partner. Outside of him, I, I don't really have much interest in other players in Washington. You could look at McKissick if you really wanted to go deep and think they're going to be trailing, but I don't. I don't love it. Heineke shows up in a lot of optimals because he's so cheap and because you know they're going to throw Tampa Bay's allowing the highest opponent pass rate in the league. So let's say Heineke, you know, gets you 21 DraftKings points. Well, well, you're 4Xing right there. You get him with either McLaurin or RSJ or McKissick. I think that stack could get there. You just need the Washington or you need the Tampa Bay side to say, okay, let's just say you played Evans. Like, could a Washington stack get there? You just get Heineke and one of those dudes and Evans and just get out of there. Yeah, makes a ton of sense to me. I think I'm with you. It seems it seems relatively straightforward for this game. I'm not sure there's much to break down outside of the names that we already mentioned. Yeah, I'm probably not playing your boy playoff Lenny. I know how much you love him and you want to talk about him every podcast. People want an excuse to just not think about Antonio Gibson and it's kind of sad because we love him and we love his skill set, but he's just not being utilized the way we want. So, yeah, I think this is one of those games where you pick which side you want to stack and just, you know, pick pick whoever you want to correlate it with on the other side. So give me your Vegas pick. Lots of injuries for the Bucks, but Tom Brady off of a bye. I'm not going to bet against that man. So I will lay the points with Tampa Bay. I'm going to do the same with Tampa Bay. Washington has covered the spread. Uh, let me count once. This entire year. So not great, Bob. Hot stat. 
hot stat. All right, let's battle it out. DFS Battle Royale. We're back, baby. That's right. Four wins for me this past week. The total on the year for the DFS Battle Royale is 18 wins for the good guys and 22 wins for bets. Here you are, still still victory lapping your second place finish. <laughs> well, we'll see. About, I, hey, this week, <laughs> people, I complained last week about it, but I got into the dock first this week. And it seems like you changed your picks because you had some picks in there, but uh, they're, yeah, they're no did, longer in there. That did make me laugh this morning when I logged in. Um, for the listeners, Kyle decided to go in and put up my picks for me. And I believe Greg Ward was one of the picks. I don't remember who you put for running back. It's just names that we should not be playing in DFS. And, and I did chuckle. So nice job, man. Nice job. Dude, I gave you Adrian Peterson, a Hall of Fame <laughs> running back. <laughs> That's who it was. <laughs> I forgot All about right. that. All right, let's go with the stacking quarterback you would use under 6K. I'm going to cheat because there's not really anyone outside of the guy that you put under 6K that I think is even worth mentioning. So I'll say Matt Ryan. We talked about not having a lot of interest in him, but we know just based off historical data, when one quarterback goes off, there's a good chance the other one does. And if Dak goes off, he'll have to force Matt Ryan to throw the football. So I will take Matt Ryan at 6K against Dallas. I'm going to say Carson Wentz at 5.9. We almost highlighted that game. Uh, They're 10-point favorites against Jacksonville. And since Carson Wentz decided to be an NFL QB again, uh, the team has put up 31.5 points per game since week four, and they've exceeded their team implied total in every single one of those. So Colts are kind of on a roll for fantasy, and I think you could do all right with Carson Wentz if you wanted to stack him with uh, Michael Pittman or maybe someone else who I'm going to mention in a second. So give me... A cash game running back under 7K. Yeah, this is definitely cheating. I'm going to say Dearness Johnson. We, we talked about it. He's just too cheap. If he is the guy, then, then that's my pick. If it is not the guy because Nick Chubb is active, I will take James Conner without Chase Edmonds in the lineup. He's 6.3K. We saw him just go off last week. He should get a ton of volume at 6.3K. I think he's cash viable this week. I'm going to take CP, your boy Cordero Patterson, 6.6. The floor is just too high for 6.6 and what he's doing as a wide receiver. So Cordell Patterson in that 6K range is my favorite player. Cheap wide receiver. Give me somebody under 5K that you would use maybe in a tournament. Well, you know this man's name is always associated with GPP winning upside, and it is Jamison Crowder at 4.8K taking on Buffalo. If you like Buffalo to put up points here, then I think this is a spot where you can bring it back with a jet And if I'm going to do it, for me personally, I think it's going to be Jamison Crowder. It is Mike White season. Once again, he's going to start for the Jets with Zach Wilson still dealing with his PCL injury. Jamison Crowder has seen six-plus targets in every game he's played this year. On a 17-game season, Kyle, that's 126 targets. People want Jamison Crowder to go away, but he's getting volume. So at that cheap tag, give me him. When we saw him play with Mike White before Mike White was injured last week, a ton of receiving volume. So I'll take Jamison Crowder. All right, I'm going to take a wide receiver. Is he great? No. No, he's not. Is he the greatest wide receiver? That's also up for debate. I'm going to mention Zach Pascal. Ew. Not someone. (laughs) Zach Pascal plays for the Colts. He's, no one's going to play this guy. And I totally understand. But Zach Pascal, last week, he saw five of his seven targets in the slot. And that's where we've actually picked on the Jaguars a ton this year. Trey Herndon is one of the worst in the league. So Zach Pascal is on the field a ton, runs routes. I mentioned Carson Wentz earlier as the cheap stacking option. If you wanted to go Carson Wentz, Jonathan Taylor, and then instead of Michael Pittman, you wanted to also bring in Zach Pascal as a cheaper option. You're not crazy. And I'll just say this, my track record, I've recommended Zach Pascal one other week this year, and he went for over 20 points and two touchdowns. So the model says yes. Can I also point out, let's just play a quick game. More targets inside the 10-yard line. You ready for these names? Yep. Do you think it's Zach Pascal or Keenan Allen? It should be Keenan Allen. Zach Pascal, 7. Keenan Allen, 6. DeAndre Hopkins or Zach Pascal? It should be DeAndre Hopkins. It's Zach Pascal. Last one that we'll go with here. Zach Pascal or Cooper Cup? There's no way. It's got to be Cooper Cup. (laughs) Yeah, it's Cooper Cup. 
<laughs> but I mean, I think it's a great call, man. In a tournament, if you're double stacking once, I, I think it's a sneaky play. Okay, good. I got bets to buy into one of mine. This is way better than Humphreys. Let me just put it that way. Put <laughs> oh, my yes. name on it this week. Zach Pascal in a GPP. I mean, sell your house. Let's do it. All right. Punt <laughs> tight end. Nothing better than having the mortgage on Zach Pascal. Um, yes, yeah, so we talked about it. Dan Arnold seeing so much volume. He's too cheap. 3.5K. Give me the postman. I'm going to go with Jared Cook. 3.2. I think those are both good plays. Arnold probably is a better you know, volume play. I think Cook has a better chance for the touchdown. We'll see who gets it. And then give me a sneaky DST under 3K. We mentioned Tennessee. We mentioned Carolina for cash. So we can't mention those guys. Yeah, I will take the Packers at home. 2.9K. I don't think anyone's going to play them, especially because Russell Wilson is back. But the issue is still Seattle's offensive line ranking 28th and adjusted sack rate. They're playing at Lambeau. And Pete Carroll can't help himself but to put Russell Wilson in third and eight, third and seven situations, putting a lot of opportunity for sacks and pressures. So I will take Green Bay in this one. I will take the Browns at 2.8K. They're a little bit more expensive than maybe people want to pay. But, you know, the pass rush is elite and they're playing against Mac Jones, who apparently has made himself into one of the least likable people on the planet for NFL defenses. Like, dude, you're a rookie and people already don't like you. Yeah, that was if people don't know what we're talking about. There was a play last week where he got sacked uh, and I think it was a strip sack with a fumble and he tried to tackle one of the Carolina Panthers and like twisted his ankle. Dirty move, man. Come on. Yeah. Brian Burns, the player that got injured on that play. He basically just told every other defender in the league, like it's some brotherhood, basically like, hey, go after this guy, which I was like, oh, Mac Jones, you're not really the most, you know, mobile quarterback in the world. So that's not going to be good, especially as a rookie. Like it'd be different if you were like a veteran that had some clout. Uh, I'm sure Mac Jones is like, oh, crap. What did I do to myself? Um, Let's get into a couple of mailbag questions to finish. Mailbag. Send your questions to me at Kyle underscore Borg or bets at the fantasy PT. First question comes in from Mike Babcock. He's asked, do you guys ever just play the one o'clock games or just the four o'clock games? No, no, we don't. No, I don't either. And the reason is that all of our research goes into the main slate, which includes all those games. And anytime there's more games, more players in your player pool, our edge is going to be a lot better when there's those bigger slates compared to the smaller ones because you're able, you're smart, you're listening to the show, you got the DFS pass, you're able to figure out who the top plays are on a smaller slate. They're just so obvious that there's almost no edge. So not for me. I I always play the main slate. I will say this. Some people want to differentiate themselves in terms of what they do for DFS. Like, I really want to get good at this. The afternoon slate is going to be a little bit softer in terms of participation, So if you look at those tournaments and you look at, you know, people that play them, it's just so much smaller. If you wanted to say, I'm going to get so good at this afternoon slate, that's totally awesome. Realize this, those slates are usually what, three, four games in the afternoon. We're about to get those slates for the playoffs where we get three or four different games. So if you want that same feel, like we're going to do that same sort of business. So go for it, but it's not something that you and I can spend as much time on. Uh, but it could be worthwhile. All right, next question is from Alex Lima. He said, who is your favorite 7K running back on FanDuel? I'm going to give you a list of those bets so that you can look at them. So at the top, Cordell Patterson is 7.8, James Robinson, 7.5, Leonard Fournette, 7.4, DeAndre Swift, who we haven't really talked about at all, is 7.3 against the Steelers, and then James Conner is 7K against the Panthers. Yeah, if you're making me pick one of those guys, it's James Conner, and it's just because of the volume that I think he'll see and the offense, the ability to, to score touchdowns, which on FanDuel you need. DeAndre Swift is so much better on DraftKings because of his ca- pass-catching ability. you got to find the end zone on FanDuel, and I think James Conner is the play. Yeah, DeAndre Swift is tempting because he's going to show up as a pretty good points-per-dollar type of value, but if you look back, the Steelers have allowed only one running back to go over 10 points this year. 10 points like that's not gonna that's not gonna do too well so i wrote up connor as an awesome cash game play and then i'll go back to patterson i think he actually has a ceiling compared to other players in that same range next question from mike ingenito sweet name man 
Should you always include a dart throw, so less than 2%, in your GPP lineups, or does it depend on the contest you're playing in? I've been splitting my weekly buy-in for GPPs between single and three max entry contests, which is awesome, that's what we recommend, and small field tournaments. Thanks, guys. This is a really good question, and I think the way he worded it was perfect because it depends on your contest selection and what you're playing, and it's all relative. So a 3% rostered player in the Million Maker looks way different than a 3% rostered player in a small field tournament. Small field tournaments, we know the roster percentage just gets inflated as is because it's so much easier to kind of pick the best plays and play the best plays that you're going to get good plays at that low roster percentage, whereas in the Millie Maker, it's very difficult to find those guys. So I think it depends on the, on the style of play that you're in. If you're in more of these small fields, I don't think you need to go that low because you're really going to be scraping the bottom of the barrel sometimes. But I mean, it's certainly viable and I'm never going to fault anyone for trying to differentiate themselves in a tournament. That's how you win when you fade the chalk and it fails. So uh, that's kind of my take. What are your thoughts, Kyle? It, it can be an endless search where you're just looking at our roster percentage report and you're going like, I need to just, I have to find somebody under 2%. Well, one, those are our projections, but two, there's a reason that a lot of those players are under 2%. Like a lot of them are just bad plays. Nelson Aguilar is going to show up most weeks as under 2%. Can he catch a long touchdown? Sure. But like most of the weeks, he's just not a good play. This week they play the Browns and I don't love him either. So I don't think you always have to do it, but if you're in a large field, I think it's a requirement. You have to have somebody under 5%. Like it's just... If you don't, then you're not building your roster the right way and you're going to move with the crowd. But like Beth said, in those small field tournaments, maybe maybe increase it up to like, I don't know, 6 or 7% in our projections and go from there. But also realize you're getting that low rostered player as a leverage point or a pivot off of someone else. So if you see that there is a player at a certain price point, let's say it's, you know, $7,000. Right now, you want to find out which player is the lower rostered so that you can kind of use it on similar players. So this week, Zeke and CeeDee Lamb are both 7K in the same game on DraftKings. Ask yourself the question, who shows up more in our roster percentage report? And that's the player who's ever lower you want to use as a leverage point. So find similar price points, find similar players at similar positions. So last week it was Nick Chubb, right? Where he was showing up a little bit lower. He's a good play but he's a great play in GPPs because of what he can do to the rest of the chalk. And that's what he did, right? To Eckler and Elliot and the rest of our cash lineups. Yep. Suck us like a ship. Hey, I love Nick Chubb. So that I, I don't feel too bad when it's players I like. If it's players that like I don't have on any of my teams, then it makes it feel even worse. So Agreed. Last question is from at DaddyMoosh14. What a name on Twitter. Daddy Moosh. That was taken. I, I couldn't, couldn't use it for mine. <laughs> he says, I, I bought the DFS pass. Now that I've got a bankroll built up, should I be playing the whole amount every single week for the rest of the season? Let's just answer that part real quick. No. <laughs> no, because if you lose, you're done. Unless your wife says it's okay. Also, how would you go into uh, 50-50s? I've been doing a, a smaller amount should I go and kind of double that since I've doubled my bankroll and only single entry? Yeah, I think it just depends on like your comfort level in in risking more each week. And if you feel like you've honed the process enough to be successful, which it sounds like based off this question, you have been, which is great. Um, I would just caution people that have had a good stretch of play. Sometimes you can talk yourself into like, all right, I am locked in. There's no way I can lose. I'm going up this week. And we, we tell you guys this, we, we talked about it all summer, and I believe I've said on this podcast more times than I can count, you're going to lose. That's just how DFS works. And last week I got crushed, but I try to play the same amount each week so that I don't get stuck in that situ situation where I'm chasing and really trying to go forward. So for me, bankroll management is crucial. Don't play all your, your, your bankroll each week. And I would certainly just ask yourself, how comfortable are you with the risk tolerance? Yeah, I've had points in the past where I was like, I need to play $50 heads up because I'm on a hot streak. And you start kind of seeing like where you kind of tear up. And then guys, there are some contests that are just for much higher rollers 
than myself They're, that are for people like Brooks that play like $10,000 heads up. Um, I don't know if I'm at that point yet or will ever be at that point, but in those 50 fifties, the ones that we talk about the most is there's a $5 massive, uh, 50, 50, and there's a $25. Those are the ones that industry wise we use the most to kind of compare and talk about roster percentages. When I write my cash review article each week, those are the ones that I'm taking it from because those are huge, like 8,000 plus contests. The $5 one has almost 23,000 people in it. So that's probably the best gauge of staying in contests like that and being able to say, what's my risk tolerance and how good am I at GPPs? Like, do I feel like I actually have a read on this or am I just shooting shots in the dark? That's what I see the most from people on Twitter is they'll send me a lineup and there's not really a rhyme or reason to their lineups. And maybe that'll hit every once in a while. But like, is this a well thought out thing that says this week I'm playing contrarian like people did last week and this actually has a chance of hitting or is this just shooting, you know, out there and hoping it hits? Yeah, I think that's that's a great way to put it. And, and really having that process is super, super important. So hopefully that answered your question. A little long-winded for us, but it's this is fun to talk about because I think it's an underrated aspect of DFS as being a successful bankroll manager. You can go to ballersdfs.com and play against us. We will continue to get out those battle of the board, battle of the bets type contests where, yes, the field is against us, but you and I have done all right in those contests, and we think they're a good place for people to learn the game. So feel free to go to ballersdfs.com, see our DraftKings League, join that each week, and we'll give some shout-outs this next week. If you win, you'll be with the cool kids. You'll be with those that uh, that won the contest, and, I mean, you'll be talked about on the airwaves. You'll be, you'll be pretty awesome, so make sure you join us and do that. But, Bets, I'll let you sign us off. I would love to. Good luck to everyone out there in Week 10. Don't forget, hit us up on Twitter, tag us, let us know what you like about the DFS Pass. Let us know how we can get better, and we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.thefantasyfootballers.com.